Wow, this is fun. We're like one big section here. I'm, I'm about that. Hey, everybody, welcome to the bridge. This is our second to last bridge of the spring, which is pretty wild. It's kind of, it's, uh, it's gone by pretty quickly. But I'm excited to be here tonight because we are in our third week of the dating series. We, uh, first week, we talked about singleness and the gift that it is. Last week, we talked about what you should look for in a guy. We said a guy, uh, in, when you're looking for a guy, you should examine his commitments, his beliefs, his self-control, his reputation, and his humility. And I just want to say, incredible feedback. So many good conversations came from that, guys and girls. And um, I, I, I also fully believe that those are qualities that, that should be true of a woman, by the way. I mean, I think, I, I think those things as well, you should pursue a woman that is committed to Jesus, that is uh, doctrinally sound, self-controlled, that is humble, and has, has a solid reputation. But I, I, I just want to say this, because I think this is so funny. I have had so many of you girls in this past week and even tonight just like ask me to just attack you. And I, I feel so weird about it. They're like, don't hold back. Just tell it how it is, like be mean to us, just drop the hammer. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what? I did not expect that, this is a trap. I, I, don't, I know how this goes, it's a trap. I am not falling for it. No, I, I am excited tonight, I'm excited to jump in. I'm, I'm glad that the Lord is using this as we walk through his word. Tonight we're gonna be in Proverbs 31. I can't promise that I'm gonna be mean, but I, I do hope that we're biblical tonight and I, I hope that God's word does what God's word does. It, it, it convicts, it challenges, it encourages, it does all of those things. And, and since we hit uh, a really solid amount of qualities last week, what's cool about Proverbs 31 is that it gets into a lot of details. And some of the things, this may be a little bit of a disclaimer, all the things that you read in this are, are not uh, what, probably what we would call non-negotiables. Right? You're going to read some of these things in here, and this woman is an example. She is not a command that you are to be like her, because you're going to see different qualities. You're going to see preferences and passions that this woman has uh, in Proverbs 31, and you're going to be thinking, I am not passionate about that at all. Like I don't, I don't have that preference. This is not how I am wired. Do not freak out. Do not be discouraged, because this is an example. And, and what's cool about this woman is how all of these qualities that she has uh, really give us a great example for you to kind of find yourself in it, where you might have one thing that you're like, yes, this is me, and now you see that example. But what we're going to do, we're going to peel back all of these preferences, and, and we're going to find some solid principles that we can run to and say, this is a girl that I should seek after. And if you are a girl in the room, uh, this is something that you should strive to be, strive to emulate in your character. So uh, Proverbs 31, we're really going to jump into verse 10. Uh, just a little bit of background on 31, if you see at the beginning of, of verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, uh, the oracle, the teaching which his mother taught him. There is no record of a King Lemuel. I don't even know how you say it. Uh, King Lemuel in, uh, I'm going to keep saying it though, in Israel. So, so what we would say about this, really that word means devoted to God. That word means devoted to God, a king that is devoted to God. And so this mother is writing to one that is devoted to God of, of what kind of spouse this man should find. And uh, there's many commentaries that believe this to be Solomon's mama, which is Bathsheba. 
uh, David's wife. And so it, it's kind of cool that this is potentially uh, what Bathsheba is encouraging Solomon while he's a youth to pursue. That he's still growing up. He hasn't become the king of Israel. And he's saying, hey, this is the type of woman that you should pursue, that you should look for. And so uh, we get to jump into that and, and we get to ask all of these things. So verse 10, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. Who can find an excellent wife? One, we have to know that, that this is a gift from God. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. Uh, that in this process, we have to be prayerful. We have to be dependent on God. Uh, we just can't go about this thing, close our eyes, and just, just pick somebody and hope it turns out. Uh, that we do have to put work in. We have to seek. We have to do it the right way. And so he starts with this as saying, who can find a woman like this? She is worth far more than jewels. See, you can't buy an excellent wife. You can buy a wife, and it probably won't be that excellent. We've seen that in the past. Uh, don't go buying a wife. That's no, number one. Uh, but this is an excellent wife and what you're supposed to be looking for. So let's go. Verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Our first quality is trustworthy. The woman you should look for is trustworthy. Can you trust her? Is she a woman of her word that she says she is going to do something and then she does that? She is, she is true to her commitments. Is she faithful to those commitments? Does she gossip? I think this is big. This is a really big thing uh, for girls. Yes, guys as well, but for girls in just an honesty moment, I get so exhausted and, and annoyed even by, by the things that I hear, the things that come to my desk, and, and the, the, I heard this about this person, or did you hear, did you hear about this person did this thing, and, and we just pass all of these things around, and, and, and we're just gossiping about all these people around us, and, and one of the things that's true about this room is that we're really nice to each other in person when we're face-to-face, -face, and I love that, but what hurts me is, is what happens around that. When we're not person to person, the conversations that happen, there is so much gossip. There's so much conversations about what this person said, what this person did, or what we think about that person when that person isn't around. That's not trustworthy. That isn't a trustworthy thing. Listen, that breaks trust. And if you can, if you, I think about this with, with Amy, my wife, like if I couldn't trust her with, with the deep things that are going on in my life, if I couldn't trust her uh, with difficulties and, and hardships that I am walking through, that she might just share it with other people. I mean, it's, it's impossible to have a healthy marriage without trust. It's impossible. You can't have a healthy marriage if there is no trust because we can't communicate you can have no conversation. You're always constantly wondering who's going to find out about this. How is this going to work out? Like, uh, and, and, or even I couldn't ever ask Amy to do something. I couldn't, I couldn't trust her uh, with something that is going on. How can I trust her around kids? How can I trust her around my, my family? Because she might say that she's going to do a good job, but then in the end she doesn't stick to those commitments. So you want somebody that you can trust so here you've got to ask yourself, if you're a lady, are you, are you known as a person of integrity? 
Are you known for that? Or are you known as someone that can't be trusted with information, that can't be trusted to do things on a timely better or, or a timely manner or, or um, with excellence? And, and I, here's the thing. It's even amongst close friends. I, for some reason, we like to give this a pass, and I, I know I'm guilty. We're all guilty in this room. This isn't just you girls. This is all of us. But, but we get around close friends, and then all of a sudden, everything goes out the door, and we will just say anything, no matter what it is, no matter what we think about that person. And, and we can get so critical of people that are around us. I mean, like, what kind of, of thing is that producing in us and in our friends if those are the conversations that we're having? I mean, the scriptures just don't give a pass to gossiping, even if it's your best friend, even if it's my wife. God doesn't give a pass to that. He, he condemns gossip. So I would say don't pursue a woman who isn't trustworthy. Now, if those things happen, if there's gossiping, if there's stuff going on behind the scenes and, and you're a part of that, maybe someone shares that information with you or you realize that you have, uh, you have gossiped about somebody, then you need to go and you need to make that right. And that's gonna be, it's not going to be a fun thing because you're going to have to approach somebody that you talked about behind their back. Say, hey, I, I have said these things and if this has come around to you through the, what do they call it, the grapevine What's the one with the bird, the little birdie, you know, that whole thing? Like, you need, to, you need to hit that before they hear it from somebody else. You say, hey, I've said these things, and it was this and this and this. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? Or if it's a friend that they say something to you in, uh, in gossip, and they're like, did you hear about this and this person? You say, hey, I, I don't think I am part of the problem here. Like, I don't think you need to be telling me that information. You need to go talk to the person that you just said that about saying, I, I don't need to know this information. I need you to go and talk to that person because it's unfair to me to, to drag their name through the mud or to, to produce things. And, and here's the reality. A lot of times it's just speculative stuff. Like we don't even know if it's true. We're like, oh, I heard this and this person said this. And so we're like, for, we're playing a game of telephone with somebody's character and reputation on the line. That's missing it. That's what we can't be as a body of believers. Men, that's not someone you should pursue. So the first point is trustworthy. Second one, are they attentive to the needs of their home? Are they attentive to the needs of their home or maybe their family? This is 13, 14, and 15. She looks for wool and flax, and she works with her hands in delight. She works with her hands willingly. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maiden. This is also in verse 21. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. So is she attentive to the needs of her home? Let me remind you that this is a person you're spending the rest of your life with. You're going you're gonna to room with them for the rest of your life, Lord willing. I mean, this is your roommate. Uh, you, and, and you're raising a family with this person. You are raising kids with this person. You are going to have so much going on in your life, and you got to know what kind of a person you're getting into this covenant with. So you got to ask yourself, will she care for a family? Not saying that you aren't, but together. 
Is she willing to care for a family? What, what are her thoughts on having a family, on having kids? Does she like kids? Do kids gross her out? <laughs> you got, I mean, I know that might be silly, uh, but, but you've got to know if those things line up. What do you think about having a family? What do you think about having a kids? Having a kids. Whatever, that doesn't make sense. Uh, but you've got to ask yourself, what is your vision for the family and the roles that you're going to be playing uh, throughout that life? And do those things line up? Because I have friends that have gotten into um, marriages and, and they have talked to them and said, hey, we didn't even know that, that she didn't want to have kids. And I got into this and I wanted to have kids, and we kind of had a talk about it, but it was never really a serious talk, and then we got like five, ten years down the road, and I said, okay, hey, I kind of want to have kids, and she said, no, I'm not going to have kids. That's not something that I want to do, and he was devastated. I mean, what do you do? How do you have these conversations and, and, and walk through that stuff, and I mean, I would save you that. But the last thing I want you to do is get into a marriage and then you're just in completely uh, different spectrums of thought. So you need to have these conversations. You need to know what direction you are heading in, what your view of family is, and the roles that you're going to play within that. Don't just assume in this area. So Amy has done such a good job making our, our little apartment a home, making a house a home. Like, I, I don't know why uh, homemaker being somebody that makes a home is a negative connotation in our world. Like, that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. And I think, guys, by and large, we, we, we think functionally why, why girls think aesthetics, girls think comfort, girls think uh, welcoming. I remember having a conversation when we moved into the apartment and we were driving a U-Haul. I feel like all of our things happen in a U-Haul. And uh, we're just going through all this stuff and we're talking and, and Amy's like, well, this color couch is like just kind of, it's like tan. It's not that cool. And I'm like, I don't, it's a couch. You just sit in a couch. And you're like, but is it welcoming? Do people feel, like, what's the flow of the room? Like, what are we, how do we going from each room and what is it? And I'm like, I, what? Who cares what it does? It just, you sit and it's comfortable. And, uh, and, and we think differently in that way. But now that I've seen it, man, I, I'm so gifted and, and so blessed that Amy cares about that. And that when someone would show up that she wants to host and love them, that, that her heart is on display and, and she wants to step into those things. And so you might be in this room and you're like, I hate cooking. Don't you dare say that. <laughs> Don't even say that word. We're going to eat out every night and, and that's just what we're going to be doing. And maybe your husband loves to cook and, and, and you're going to have differences in there. You need to have those conversations. Let me say, that's okay. What's not okay is if you're stepping into marriage and, and you have no regard for the needs of your home and the needs of your family. Like, guys, if she's neglecting that, if, if she doesn't have a passion for those things, and you do, you're going in opposite directions. You're going in opposite directions. Now, I know some of you might be a little bit heated because I'm talking about the woman's role, just being stuck in the home, and here I am, I'm just kind of, my toxic masculinity is on display, right? It's, 
you're mansplaining, whatever it is, I don't know. Uh, and, and, or maybe you think that the Bible is outdated and it's just this male patriarch bias and you're so out of it, it's 2021. Well, let, I have great news for you. The Bible paints a beautiful picture for the role of a woman and the things, the opportunities that the woman has. And it's not just in the home, it is so much more overarching than that. Let me show you a few examples. Look at verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. This right here is skills in commerce, in economy, that there, uh, there is this ability for her to, to discern the value of things, the cost of things, and then from her own earnings, the, the fruit of her hand, she is able to buy a field. Like that's, that is commercial skills right there. That's far beyond just life in the home. And you're like, okay, well, how do you buy a field now? Let me give you an illustration in Amy because we were talking about this week and it's just incredible. Amy is a hairstylist, so she, has, she works with her hands and she's really great at it. And she gets tip money and she has all of this stuff. And then she just... She is just a fiend on Facebook Marketplace. I mean, we are literally furnishing our, our home here pretty soon with that. Like she is considering all of these different options and then she is buying it with her tip money. That is this verse, like that is happening right there uh, before your eyes. Like there is this skill, there's this discernment that she is able to do. And she's, I mean, she's low-key a savage. Like uh, it's like, this thing's going for 125. Let me see if I can get it down to 75. I'm like, leave grandma alone. Like, <laughs> like be nice for a second. Like just give her what she wants. Uh, so there's this skill in commerce. I'm just, I don't know if it's a grandma. I hope you don't feel bad for grandma. I don't know how. Uh, verse 19, let's look at another one. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She has manual skills. She can work with her hands. Verse 11 talked about, or verse 12 rather, talked about that earlier, that, that you can uh, work with wool and flax, and she works with her hands willingly in delight, that that is a skill and a passion for her. Verse 18 she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. Look at verse 24. She makes linen garments and she sells them and supplies belts to the trademen. This is, these are entrepreneurial skills. Like she is making all of these different things and then she is selling them to people uh, that are around. I had many friends. I mean, they're just always looking to make uh, some quick money, some quick cash. They just have these skills and these abilities and they just see the world through money and business and profit and it's so impressive and that is a gift and that is a skill that, that this woman possesses and that you if you're a woman in this room you might possess this you might have entrepreneurial skills don't let the bible or your perception of the bible limit you in that way the last one verse 15 she rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens this is administrative skills She's well prepared to fill the needs that are around her and she's able to organize all these different moving, um, moving parts to make sure everything is efficient. She has administrative skills. So to go again, there's skills in commerce, there's skills in manual labor, there's entrepreneurial skills, there's administrative skills and um, also there's interpersonal skills. People that just are really social and they're able to, to use that and, and work certain jobs because of, of the way that they function and are gifted in social settings. 
I mean, these are awesome things, and it's so cool to see this in the scriptures. And so as you're thinking through this in your life, examine these things. Try these things out. Ask yourself, do I love any of these areas? Am I gifted in any of these areas? Ask your friends, hey, do you see these things in me? And then go and pursue them. Find a job. Quit your job that you're doing. Go find a job that, it, that lines up with those things and, and jump into that. Pursue those. If you are passionate about it, jump into those. And so maybe you see yourself in one or none. I don't know what it may be. Um, and, and that's fine. That's fine. You, you, you should figure those areas out. But, but I think as we peel that back, the principle we can pull from these verses uh, is that you should look for a woman. Look for a woman that is hardworking. You should look for a woman that is hardworking. Is she driven or is she lazy? Is she capable of working hard, of doing hard things? Because here's the deal. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. Raising kids is hard. Balancing work and family and, and so many other things in life that's difficult. And I'm not saying that means it is bad because it is a gift from the Lord, but it's a gift that comes with a lot of work and effort. So much effort. So guys, you've got to examine, is she hardworking? Is she getting into the game? Is she doing things with her life? Or is she lazy? Is she idle? Does she not do anything? Does she seek to get out of things? Does she just seek comfort 24-7? Is she working hard in whatever that may be? Look at verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So a great, a great way to gauge how a girl will do uh, in this area is, is to examine how they're doing now. Like what are they doing with their life right now? Are they in school? How are they doing in school? Are they serving anywhere? How are they serving? Are they working? Do they work? Do they ask off a lot? Do they call in sick a lot? Like what are those things? Are they actively seeking to work hard? This brings us to our next quality, they are servant-hearted. They are servant-hearted. This comes from verse 20. She extends her hands to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She extends her hand to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not, of, uh, not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She's servant-hearted. Man, I can't tell you how big this is. This is a really big quality that you should look for. Girls, this is a really big quality that you should step into. And not only that, but, but is she compassionate? Is she kind? Look at verse 26. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Does she lift up others with her words, or does she cut people down? Is she sarcastic and mean all the time, constantly? And look, I, I know we're all friends, and sarcasm is like a love language at this point, right? That's what the memes say, I guess. Uh, but, but let me just be real with you. Sarcasm reveals something about your heart. And I'm not just making that up in, in my own life. This is Luke 6, 
verse 45. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you are hearing sarcasm consistently and constantly, and that, that's what you seem to be always receiving from this person, you are hearing and seeing something about that person's heart. They're showing you something. If they are mean, if they're sarcastic, they're showing you they have a critical heart. And that doesn't mean you're done with them forever, but that means you do need to have a conversation about that. Because a lot of times there's something beyond, there's something rooted in that sarcasm and, it, and it's a self-defense. I don't know from what, but there's a self-defense, there's walls up in, in this comedy, in this humor, all of these different things. There's something going on in the heart, in those roots, and you need to have that conversation. You need to walk through that stuff and see how they respond. Are they repentant over that sin? You can learn something from the speech of others. Does she see needs and actively seek to meet those needs? Does she see needs that are around her? Does she fill those needs? Does she fill the gap? Is she serving? Is she serving in the church, in this church? Does she give of her time, of her energy and resources to love others? I remember one moment I was in college at DBU and we were walking around um, Dallas, downtown Dallas, and it was a bitter cold day, and it was raining, and it was really windy, you know, just one of those types of days, and we all had like, we were bundled up, and we had hoodies on, and our rain jackets, and we're just kind of living our DBU life where we have nice clothes, and uh, we're running back to our car, and we just had this full day where we were sharing the gospel with people all over the place. We had a service project that morning, and then for like four hours in the bitter cold, we were sharing the gospel with all of these different people, and then we're going uh, back to our vehicle, and I'm just tired, and I'm just ready to eat pizza or whatever it was back at the church, and then, and then kind of be done with this whole thing. And so I'm walking back, and, and there's obviously homeless people in Dallas, and, and I'm just going, and I see this guy. He's just kind of got a t-shirt on, and he's just huddled up in a corner. And uh, I'm, I'm like the only guy in this group just going. And uh, I notice him, but I just, keep, I just keep walking to the car. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm kind of ahead of everybody else, and they're like, hold up, Jake, hold up. And then I see one of my friends, she's running across the street and she's taking off her really nice jacket for one. And, and she goes and gives it to this guy and just prays for him and then runs over the car and doesn't say anything about it. And I'm like, crap, I should have given my jacket, right? Like I immediately just thinking about myself. But like, do you think of how incredible that is? Like what a quality that they would see that need and they say, I can fill that need. I can be proactive, not just, man, I hope someone figures that out. Like, I hope someone gets that guy what he needs. Man, I hope someone cleans that up. I hope someone does this. I hope someone that. I can do that. I can fill that need. They are servant-hearted. And I, I want to call you back to a story in Genesis 24. This is one of my favorite stories. And uh, background here, this is Abraham. He is... It's time for Abraham to get a wife for his son, Isaac. And so uh, how they do it, Abraham sends Eliezer, his servant, to uh, Mesopotamia, I believe it is. He sends his servant. He says, hey, I want you to go find a wife for my son. Imagine, girls, that 
that happens. That's how you get a wife, just arrange it for them. Uh, and so he is going. They don't really give him much of an idea of what he should be looking for. So Eliezer is just going on his own. He's going to this land, and, and he says, you know what? I'm going to go to the well because I know people that are at the well are serving. They are doing things, and so he knows where to look. And then as he is praying, he's talking to God, and, and he kind of devises a plan. He says, this is how I will know. And so he goes to this well, and he is going to ask uh, the ladies, the women that are there, uh, for a drink of water. And it's not the one that just gives him a drink of water, uh, but it's the one that gives him a drink of water and then uh, gives his animals water also. And so he has this plan. He prays. He says, this is how we'll know that this is the one. And so Rebecca comes along, and he asks for a drink of water. And, and, and she goes, and, and you have to go down like this well. Like it's a lot of work. And she throws it up on her shoulders and, and then brings it down and gives him a drink of water. He says, while you are drinking, let me water your camels also. And there's 10 camels. And so she has to go back multiple times because I'm imagining camels can drink a lot of water. That's, that's kind of their whole thing. And, uh, and so after this, after she waters all of these camels, Eliezer goes and gives her a, like a, a half gold shekel ring and two dope necklaces and just puts it around her. And he says, let me go talk to your dad. <laughs> I mean, imagine girls. Is that what you want? Like maybe, I don't know. Uh, and she's never seen Isaac in her life, and Isaac has never seen her in their lives, like a foreign land, and she just goes, and they find out they're of the faith, and, and she uh, is awesome, and goes, just picks up life, and goes and marries Isaac, like, that's crazy, completely different thought, and you're like, I don't know if I could do that, but, but here's, here's what matters here. Do you see how big of a deal service is to God? That's the one quality we know. That's the one quality that he looks for from the very beginning. Does she serve? And not just do what she asks, but she goes above and beyond what is asked of her to love and serve those that are around her. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. She's servant-hearted. So next point. Does she fear the Lord? Does she fear the Lord? This is verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Of all the things that we've talked about tonight, I mean, this is, this is absolutely essential. Guys, are you pursuing her because she is godly and she fears the Lord, or are you pursuing her because she is attractive and charming? You say both, ideally. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but what are you basing your evaluation on? What are you looking for? Ladies, what are you presenting to others? What are the biggest qualities of your life? What are the things that people can't miss about you when they have a conversation with you? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you fear God? Do you live that way? Do people see that by the way you live? So what are you basing your evaluation on? I know the, the culture today, it, it's about compatibility and chemistry and looks. So are we compatible? Do we have chemistry? Are there sparks flying? Like, is it really cool? Do we just want to be around each other all the time? Those are the things that we are looking for. And let me just tell you, I mean, those, 
Those are secondary. Those aren't the main things. Because here's the reality. Compatibility and feelings, those things are going to ebb and flow. Love isn't a feeling. And you're not, you're just, not just trying to find love. Love is a verb. It's something that is forged. It is fought for. It is a choice that you make one time and then over and over and over and over again the rest of your life, every single day, regardless of whether you feel it or not. And so if you are looking for things like chemistry and compatibility and outward appearance things, you are looking for things that are depreciating assets. They're not going to get much better. (laughs) This is the best we're at right here. Like, we're all headed for wrinkles and dad bods. Like, that's just, like, let me just be honest. It's wrinkles and dad bods. I'm already there. So Amy, you know what Amy was looking for. Uh, (laughs) And so those things are going to ebb and flow. They're going to come and go. And, And so how much do those things really matter? How much are you valuing those things? And so you talk about, well, compatibility matters, like, socially and personality wise. And I say, yeah but not that much. And let me just talk about compatibility. Uh, How much does it matter? It it depends. It depends on your maturity level. It depends on on your maturity level and how willing or how flexible you are willing to be. And we kind of have this make it or break it idea, not the perfect in every way one, but this make it or break it idea where you won't pursue someone because maybe they, they don't cook or they can't sing, they're not up here, they're not playing up here, or they don't look a certain way, or they're, they're not blonde or brunette, or maybe because you're looking for somebody that's athletic or has a similar uh, sense of humor as you do, or a specific clothing style, like, or, or whatever it may be. We have all of these things that we're just kind of there on our list, and like, I won't, I won't pursue them uh, if, if they don't have this going for them. And these are all compatibility things. That we're just looking for someone that is compatible to us. And if those are the reasons that you won't pursue somebody or you will pursue somebody, it's immature. It's immature. If those compatibility factors are are make it or break it issues for you, then you are valuing the wrong things. You're valuing the wrong things. And I have had guys uh, that have, and girls actually, that have approached me and, and they've gone on a date or, or a couple of dates or they've been dating for a while and, and they go on. I'm like, well, okay. And they're thinking about breaking up. They're just not sure about it, of the relationship. And they can just go on about how godly they are and how great their conversations and that they love the Lord and they're serving in the church. But they're just not that attracted to him. And they're like, I don't know why. Like, we have great conversations. They love the Lord. They love Jesus. But I'm just not really feeling it. What do I do? So here's, my advice is pretty simple. You should break up. But it's not because of them, it's because of you. Your immaturity is showing in the things that you value. And you aren't yet attracted or you don't yet value the things that God values. This is 1 Samuel 16. God, God looks to the heart of a person, not the outward appearance and this is when Samuel was, uh, was going to anoint the new king after Saul because Saul was this guy that stood up above everybody else. He looked the part on paper. Everything was there, and yet he wasn't fearing the Lord in his heart. And so they went with David, just a small little shepherd of sheep in, in, in uh, the family of Jesse. 
And there's all the, uh, David has all these brothers, and Samuel's going by, and it's like, surely it's this guy. I mean, this, this is the next king of Israel. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not looking at outward appearances. Those aren't the things I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody here in what is inward that fears me. And so, as you think about this, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't date them whatever it is far down the road or whatever uh, your brain has and your thoughts have. I'm just saying, if you don't value, if you aren't attracted to those things, you're probably not attracted to what God values. And you are missing something. And so hear me when I say this. Don't, don't be a martyr in your marriage. Okay, like don't be like, I don't like this person. I don't enjoy being around this person. I'm not attracted to this person. But Jake said, I'm immature, so I'm just going to marry them anyway. Like, please, <laughs> please don't do that. Like, you deserve it. But, but do break up. Uh, like, break up. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, like, you're, you're not attracted to the right things yet. So don't be a martyr. Don't feel guilty. But you need to reevaluate. Maybe you need to take some time. Because odds are, if you're a guy or if you're a girl, you are feeding your brain all of these things of what you would look for and what you value in the world through pornography, through TV shows, through social media, through the ones with the roses. Uh, I don't Bachelor or bachelorette, like, I don't know. Maybe it's fine, maybe it's not, I don't know. But you're just looking for that Pilot Pete guy uh, out there in the world. And you're like, I'm not attracted to anybody else but Pilot Pete. Well, okay, you're showing your hand, right? Uh, that You're valuing the wrong things. And so here, here's, here's what I'm going to say this again. Mature people can be flexible in areas of compatibility when they value the right things when they see a godly girl or a godly guy, they say, this is a person that I want to partner with in ministry, in life, as a teammate to raise a family uh, that, that fears the Lord, that loves God, that loves the people that are around them. It's like, it's okay that, that we do takeout more than we do food at home because I can be flexible because I'm maturity because I see the bigger picture for the rest of my life. Mature people can be flexible in areas of preference of chemistry and compatibility because they know they are not as important as the godly qualities that help marriages flourish. Now on the other side of that coin, mature people are not flexible in the essential qualities. They are not flexible in the essential qualities, that main quality being a girl that fears the Lord. You say, man, we're so compatible. He's so hot. Well, I'm talking about girls. She's so hot, uh, and, and we're in like, they, we get along so well, and they're actually pretty nice, but do they fear the Lord? Are they godly? Is that what they are living for? Don't be flexible in those areas and hope that it just gets better. Don't make that mistake. Be mature in your evaluation. Someone and let me give you an idea. I know fears the Lord. Like, what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Just really as simply as I can put it, someone who fears the Lord knows that God's way is best and they fear going anywhere else. They fear going anywhere else, that God's way is awesome, the way that he designed it, the way that he has called us to it. And I don't want to cross that. I don't want to go another place. I don't want to go against him. Not just because you're afraid that God will punish you, but because you know God's way is best. 
and you're afraid from the things that would come when you go outside of his plan. You see life through that lens. You're afraid of life outside of his ways because you know he designed it best. And so you're going to see that in the way that they date, in the way that they live their life. Like they're not just living for their flesh, they're living for God. And they have a reverence and an awe for him. You'll know it when you see it. Find a girl that knows God is good, that knows he is in control, that he is present even in hard times. That's 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. Maybe your translation says she laughs at the future to come. Find a girl that is clothed in strength and dignity that laughs at the future to come. I couldn't, I couldn't get up on stage last week and, and not talk about lust and, and the problem that is just so prevalent in our world with lust in, in guys' lives. And I think in the same way, I can't get up on stage and then leave and not talk about fear and anxiety when it comes to girls because I think that is very, very prevalent today. Fear and anxiety. So let me just say... When those emotions, those feelings, those thoughts are, are present in your life, it's often an indicator that you are feeling out of control, you are feeling helpless, and you are overwhelmed. That's what you're feeling. It's an indicator that we're, that, and there's so many different things that, that can bring those feelings up, that can bring fear and anxiety. And here's the reality, this is, this is a commonality across the entire room, girls and guys. It is a commonality in this room, uh, whether in, in small doses or in great doses. But we feel out of control. We feel helpless. We feel overwhelmed. Uh, there, and, and, and when we, we feel those things, uh, we have to know some things. We, we have to know, I don't know if this hurts your feelings or not, but it's pretty obvious. You are out of control. You are helpless. You are overwhelmed. There has never been a day in your life where you are not dependent on God to make it through. Fact, truth. You are helpless. You are out of control. Those feelings and fears and anxieties often stem when we have a wrong belief that it's up to us or it's up to somebody else. And so we put all of this pressure on ourselves or on somebody else that is close to us. Maybe it is a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse to make it okay, to come in and save us. Or we put the pressure to do it ourselves. And we have this wrong belief that it's up to us. The word for worry and anxiety uh, really is the root word in, in German, and it's the idea of, of being choked and consumed. It's being choked out. And so what's happening is our scope is being limited to a really small perspective, that even a really small thing can become the only thing we can see. Does that feel like anxiety and fear sometimes? Absolutely. And somebody on the outside's like, it's not, it's just a test score. You're like, no, it's more than a test score. I'm about to be homeless in 15 years because of this test score. And you're like, whoa! It's because it's you see this one little thing and it just runs rampant to every part of your life and you're just going down it and you're like, this is it. I'm done. I'm cooked. I'm toast. See you in Dallas, whatever. Hope you give me your jacket. Like, whatever. You get all the way there. You're already thinking. And, and that's what happens with fear and anxiety is we just go down this road and, and we go to all of these things and, 
And we could have a full sermon series on anxiety and, and fear, but, but one thing we have to know is that we're always dependent on God. And usually when you feel those emotions, it is indicating, it should be an indicator to you that something in here has gotten off track, that you're starting to believe a lie. You're starting to believe a lie, maybe that it's about you or about God. And that's where you need to redirect. But, but here's, here's what happens is when we have those fears and anxieties, we often don't redirect, go to the root and, and, and attack those with truth. Uh, we let those fears and anxieties run us and they begin to control us in really damaging ways. And this is why in, in our context of talking about girls, when we act on fear and anxiety, uh, this is when girls manipulate and control. That is most often the response of girls uh, when you're putting the dependence on people. You're trying to gather control any way you can, and so you start to uh, manipulate and control the people that are around you. So you use silence, moodiness, you nag, you fight, you quarrel, uh, you get up in people's face, you bring the same thing over again. When are we going to do this? When is this going to happen? Are you going to do this? You, all of these things. You are a dripping faucet. That's why Proverbs says, men, just get on the corner of the house because it's better to live there, right? Like, just go over there uh, because you don't want to deal with this quarrelsome, nagging wife. And it's not just smashing girls and getting mad at them and saying, oh, you suck. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you realize where that's coming from and fear and anxiety. You may think the source of these uh, of these emotions are, are situations in people that are around you that, that makes you anxious, but it's really the brokenness that's within you. That's just the truth. And there's going to be little differences and details within that, but that is the truth that it's within you. So ladies, you need to make war against this. Don't just try and cope. Just don't try and just survive. Attack the lies Make war on the flesh. Put these things to death with the truth of God's word, walking by the spirit. And here's, it's no coincidence that God's word speaks of God's control and care whenever it speaks of anxiety and worries. Let me give you two examples. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Do you see that? He says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's in control. He is good. Fight the lies that you're believing and the emotions that come from it with the truth. He cares for you. Let me give you another one. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. He says, don't be anxious Make your request known to God. Talk to him. Go to him. He's the one that's in control. Bring your fears. Bring the lack of control that you have to the one that is in control. The source of our anxieties is often disbelief in God's care for you and his control over you and your circumstances. That's the theme that scripture sees. So let me just say this process will take time. And if you're in a relationship and, and fear and anxiety are consistent and crippling, then you shouldn't move forward. 
I'm not saying you break up. I'm not saying you break up forever and you never get with that person, but I'm not saying you shouldn't take a step forward towards engagement or marriage or that next step because health is the main goal. You need to be free of that thing. I said the same thing with lust, so I hope that doesn't freak you out because it is better to be single than addicted to pornography. It is better to be single than crippled and controlled by fear and anxiety that that is just manifesting itself into so many ways in your life. Like, stop right there. The priority is to be free from those things, to find healing in those areas. Take the time now to grow in those areas because, uh, man, marriage is for good. This is the rest of your life. Told the, the story of me getting a ring for Amy. It was four weeks for the rest of her life that she would see that ring, that she would be living with that ring. Except this one we couldn't sell on Facebook Marketplace and buy another one, right? That's not how marriage works, right? This is the rest of your life. So take the time. Pursue health, grow in maturity, look for the essential qualities. Are they hardworking? Are they attentive to the needs of the family, of the home? Are they trustworthy? Are they servant-hearted? Are they kind? Do they fear the Lord? Those are the things that you're looking for. Girls, those are the things that you strive after. It's worth it. It's worth it to do to do it the right way, to take the time. And like I said last week and the week before, I'm not trying to break you up. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make you hate other people. I'm not trying to, to ruin your life. I just want you to take the time to evaluate because it's a big deal. This is a huge decision, and I hope real, honest conversations come from this because it's worth it. Verse 28 to the end. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Pursue that. If you're a guy, pursue that. If you're a girl, pursue that, to be that. It's worth it. It's worth it to pursue these things. You won't regret it, I promise you. Let me pray. Father, I pray for a great discernment amongst the people that are in this room and listening online to this YouTube video, however many days, weeks, months, years. Go by, God, I pray that you would give a great discernment, that you would make the decisions that they are making now and in the future uh, very, very evident in the direction that they should go. And I pray for that living lives that are honoring to you, that are surrendered and, and yielded to your plan, to your ways, would be the, the primary evaluation. And I pray that in this room, uh, we would be a people that run hard after you, that we are committed to you. We believe in you. We believe in your word. We have great reputations amongst one another and, and around uh, everyone that, that we are with. 
God, this is, this is such a big thing, and, I, and, and I, I pray that we would seek to do this as best as we possibly can. God, would you give us grace for the times and the areas that we mess up? For anyone in the room that is so discouraged because they don't see themselves in this list, God, would you just meet them in grace and forgiveness that is, that is ours in Christ Jesus? I pray for great conversations. I, I pray for great... Uh, processing to come from this and, and that in the end we would live lives that are surrendered to you and for your glory in the way that we live and now as we sing. In Christ's name, amen.